This morning I'm going to talk about we are servant-hearted. That we are servant-hearted. Next week's going to be we are family, which is going to be awesome. As well, that's going to be so so good. Tasha's going to share some. Where's Tasha? Tasha's going to share some stuff next week about Kiss Church and us being family as well. That's so going to be exciting. So don't miss out on that one. Anyway, but we are servant-hearted today, which is which is great. So we talked obviously a lot about culture, about everything has a culture, and as a church we have a we we, we have a culture that we we've we as as pastors and leaders intentionally define it and. And we've got 12 family church, family church values. These are the values that we, we, we you know, biblically, um, you know, biblically inspired values, you know, based on scripture. And you know, we believe these are really, really important. These define us as, 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 as kind of family church members, I guess. And we want this desire for this to be our culture. So we, we've talked about lots of different things. Um, most important, we talked about that we're Christ-centered, and we looked at different different things that we're empowering people, and we're disciple people, and we're disciples. And last week we talked about the fact that we are spiritual. So I'd encourage you to catch up on that one if you missed it last week. We talked about acknowledging what the Holy Spirit does, why the Holy Spirit matters. Um, we looked at a couple of scriptures, Ephesians three sixteen, just a really brief kind of summary last week. Ephesians three sixteen, and the Amplified says this: May He grant you out of the riches of His glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your inmost being and personality. So the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and that's about spiritually energizing us with power. And we talked about the fruit of the spirit and how God wants to produce character character in us. And there's those nine, they're not nine different fruit, but nine segments of one fruit that God desires to produce in us, that he doesn't want us to live under <coughs> sinful nature. Our sinful nature is dead anyway, but he doesn't want us to kind of revert back to that but to live in the, in the new nature that we have, to live in the fruit of the Spirit, and to live subject to him. And then we talked about the gifts of the Spirit as well. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And we looked at different, the different uh, types of gifts, revelation gifts, utterance gifts, and the power gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 31 says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So we're really encouraged, Apostle Paul encourages us to, to desire those gifts. So that's what we talked about very ultra quick summary of what we talked about last week about the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit so catch up on that if you've missed out or on, on any of the others um any of the other family church values so today we're talking about we are servant-hearted okay it's on the screen we are servant-hearted kind of the strap line for this one is we're serving one another and the purpose of god in our generation serving one another and the purpose of god in our generation so god desires for us to be servant-hearted to have the heart of servants so we're just going to explore that explore that more but always a great place to start with all of these things is to look at jesus and then jesus is always the, the perfect example in, in all these things mark 10 verse 42 to 45 jesus said this jesus called them together as disciples jesus called the disciples together and said you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them not so with you Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For the Son of Man, that's, that's, that was Jesus' favorite way of describing himself. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as Jesus so often did, he, he, he made these big statements and very countercultural statements. And I'm not going to talk a lot about kind of the Roman Empire this morning. I've talked about it before, but... If you know the context of how things worked then, it was very, very authoritarian in the society that they were in at the time. It was under the Romans, 
and the Jews were subject, subject to, the, to the Roman Empire and how it worked, and very, very authoritarian. What the Romans said just went. There's no point arguing about it. You end up in prison or dead um, or losing your family or getting up in slavery. All sorts of things could, could happen. That was all very, very common. So this is what Jesus is referring to here. He says, well, you know who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, so that would be referring to all, anyone non-Jewish Gentiles. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, the high officials exercise authority over them. So, so people un- would have understood what this meant. It's what Jesus was referring to. He knew that they lived in a very authoritarian society. What the governor said is what, what, what went. You know, what the uh, head of the Roman Empire, the emperor, um, or the Caesar, you know, what they said kind of went... And, and you just had to do, uh, you know, what they told you to do. The soldiers had a lot of power, and you kind of didn't want to argue with them because you weren't going to come off. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't going to come off well if you started arguing with what the soldiers wanted either. Have you ever seen, think, have you seen, anyone seen The Chosen? Anyone seen The Chosen? And it kind of illustrates that really well. You know, the Romans just, just did whatever they wanted. And you know, if you kind of argued with it, then it would only go, only go one way. So there was, it was run in a very, very authoritarian way, society, at that time. So what Jesus was, was contrasting, contrasting it with that and saying but not so with you that you know we need to be people of a different spirit jesus what jesus was saying to his disciples not so with you instead whoever wants to become a great amongst you must be your servant whoever wants to be first must be slave of all so this is totally countercultural to the culture they were in uh, at that time just just would have just blown people's minds and sometimes we can kind of forget that because we kind of read this and you know, it was written 2,000 years ago but we have to understand it in the context in which it was said this would have been blown people's minds what Jesus was saying here because it went totally against the way society worked at the time whoever wants to be first must be slave of all for even the son of man himself did not come to serve but to, but come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and of course that's talking about, about the cross and the way Jesus just gave of, him, of himself uh, Jesus would have spoken in Aramaic at the time, but it was written down in Greek. I'm sure you all know that, <laughs> you scholars. So it was written down in Greek. That was a common written language at the time, and somehow they made all that work. I don't know, translators must have had a great <laughs> job in that time. Um, I don't know how they made it work. Because the, you know, the Hebrew scriptures were written in, 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 in Hebrew, obviously, what the, what the religious leaders would have spoken Hebrew. Jesus himself and his disciples would have spoken Aramaic. The Romans spoke, spoke Latin, and the common written language was Greek. So how they made that society function, <laughs> I don't know, but somehow they did. And, you know, when, they, when Jesus was crucified, they wrote, this is the king of the Jews, didn't they, in three different languages. So they kind of had like a, I don't know, where everyone just understood lots of different languages at once. I don't, I don't know how it worked. But anyway, so, so the New Testament was written down in Greek, although originally spoken in Aramaic. So I'm just going to look at that word, word serve, and the Greek word there is diakonos, D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S. It's the word deacon comes from that word that Paul talks about elders and deacons later in, in the New Testament. And what it literally means is someone who would run errands for somebody else, or it could mean someone like a waiter, like literally, literally someone who waits at tables, or it could mean a Christian teacher, um, or a deacon, or minister, or just the word servant. So it's kind of got a lot of different different meanings. But it's basically all about putting others first before yourself. That's the essence of it. Whether it means a deacon, a minister, a servant, a Christian teacher, a, a, a waiter, someone who runs errands for somebody else. It's all about putting others first. That's the essence of what being a servant is. Amen? And Jesus, of course, had the ultimate servanthood at the cross. Son of man did not come to serve, but to be served. Sorry, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, if anyone deserved to be served, it was Jesus, right? Yeah. If anyone deserved that, 
than, than it was Jesus. For he didn't come to be served, but to serve others, to give his life for others. Amen? You know, Jesus is often described as a servant, servant king, and that's, that's, a, that's a reality of who he was. He was a king of kings and a lord of lords, but the ultimate servant by, by choice. Amen? To lay down his life. This serving essentially is giving your life away for the benefit of others. That's essentially what serving is. Giving your life away for the benefit of other people. Again, so here we are 2,000 years later since Jesus talked about this stuff, but this was still totally countercultural, right? In our culture today, which is very so self-focused, this is very countercultural, right? Because it's not about well, what's best for me, it's about what's best for others. It totally goes against everything kind of the way our society functions. The serving is giving your life away for the benefit of other people. Amen? So Philippians 2, verse 3 to 8, Paul writes this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So you see that again in what Paul writes, is Jesus is the ultimate example of a servant. You know, servant, servant is giving, giving your life away for the benefit of others, but serving is also obedience. You know, Jesus, it says that Jesus, he literally made himself nothing. He, he deserved everything, but intentionally made himself nothing. He gave his life away as Jesus was arrested and, and you know, his disciples couldn't get their head around it, why, why Jesus was allowing that. And, and Jesus was like, do you not think I can call 10,000 legions of angels to come and rescue me? Of course, he had every right to ask for that. You know, the, the, the religious le- some of the religious leaders were, were trying to you know, kind of go Jesus and, and were saying, you know, why don't you get, if you're the son of God, get down from the cross? Of course, Jesus could have got down from the cross. But he was living a life for the benefit of others. Man, that was his entire focus. Wasn't about wasn't about him. It was about other people. Amen. You now we see the account of where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. This is recorded in John thirteen, verse twelve to fourteen. Again, Jesus being a servant. When he had finished washing washing their feet, the disciples' feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? he asked the disciples. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash another's feet. Now, I don't know what you think about washing other people's feet. I don't know. <laughs> we, all, we all did that this morning. I don't know what you would kind of, kind of think. We're not going to do that. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. I don't even want to wash my own feet sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you have to, again, remember the context. This, in, in those days, I mean, it sounds quite funny, but it's just a reality. My feet would have been grim, to say the least. Because often people would just walk in, in, in sandals, or often bare, just bare feet. And you, know, you don't have any proper roads. You can imagine just the dust, the dirt, the you know, uh, manure. It would have been everywhere from, from cattle and sheep and, and horses. It would have, been, would have been everywhere. So you can imagine what people's feet were like. Pretty, pretty grim, right? Pretty, pretty calloused and, and who, knows what, who knows warts and goodness knows what else. And, they wouldn't have had doctors treating all these things. You just had to go, <laughs> go with it, right? And it would have been hot, and, you know, a hot country, and it would have been hot and sweaty, and 
Yeah, the dirt sticking to the sweat. You, you got, the, got the idea, right? It's not pleasant, right? But that's how much Jesus values servanthood, okay? That's, you know, nothing was beneath Jesus. Now, what I wrote down, wrote down here was nothing was beneath Jesus because he made himself nothing. Nothing was beneath Jesus because he made himself nothing. That's what Paul says here. He made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant. So nothing could be beneath Jesus because he made himself nothing. Everything was about others. And, and Jesus was, was teaching his disciples to, to, to do that for others. And they didn't mean to say he had to set up a, a ministry of washing people's feet. <laughs> Although that might have happened. But that wasn't the essence of what Jesus was talking about was about the principle about being servant-hearted. Making yourself nothing for the benefit of others. And, and Jesus demonstrated that so well. Amen. Paul writes this, Galatians 5, verse 13 to 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. It's it's the essence, isn't it, of of, of the gospel. Love your neighbor as yourself. Serve one another humbly. Jesus tells that story, doesn't it, of the Good Samaritan, and before that, Again, this, this comes up. So what are the two greatest commandments? And they talk about love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as, as yourself. For all the law and the prophets, they all hang upon those two, those, those two commands. Amen? So it isn't just talking about loving the person who lives next door to you, obviously. Okay? Your literal neighbor, although you should love them. But it's just about loving others. Again, putting others first. Serving others. Amen? And come on to some of the practicalities, what that looks like in a second. 1 Peter 4, verse 8 to 10, Peter writes this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. It's a great message there in itself, verse 8. But offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So all the giftings and abilities and talents that God's given you, you they've been given in order to bless others. They weren't even given in order to bless you, or they may bless you as you use them. Yes, that's true. And it may well bless you as you bless others, because it's, it's great to be a blessing, isn't it? You know, we talk about being blessed to be a blessing, but that's a reality, isn't it? So the gifts and abilities that God has given you are in order to bless others. Let's say the gifting that, that God's given Ian to lead worship, that's about blessing others. Amen? You know, and whatever your gifting or ability is, it's all for the benefit of other people. Amen? As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms so let's kind of look at some of the practicalities of that so i'm going to look at just some different aspects of servanthood now if you're if you're a parent this morning anyone a parent then you'll know that that means laying some things down right no one discovered this as a parent in other words we live for the benefit of our children it's kind of been like my, my kind of like summation of basically what being a parent is. Is you're existing and everything you do is for the benefit of your children. That's what, that's what being a parent, that's what being a parent is. Especially, especially when they're young, obviously as they get into adulthood they can start looking after themselves. Obviously, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, some, yes, some, yeah, yes, maybe. But especially obviously when they're, you know, we have legal responsibility up to their 18 in particular. We live for the benefit of our children. And that's going to be my summation of what parenting is. If you want to know how to be a better parent, live for the benefit of your kids. Yeah. Invest in your kids. Yeah. Do everything you can for your kids. 
you know, everything you can in, in a spiritual sense for your kid. Pray, pray for your kids, pray with your kids. Model what it is, to the, what the Christian life is. Amen. Talk to, them, talk to them about stuff myself and I'm not saying we're perfect parents but I'm just going to give you some examples um, you know myself and, and Wendy and Elise and Jack we, we talk about pretty much everything and, and all about stuff that's going on in society they bring up the stuff that's going on in school the stuff that they're taught and we, we, we talk all out sometimes for, sometimes for hours it takes hours to get you know to talk about it all properly sometimes, sometimes late at night sometimes you have to sacrifice sleep kind of talk about this stuff but you know when those kind of conversations come up you've just got to got to have them some of them have big questions about god and christianity about church and it's like well we're gonna to have to take time to talk about this stuff but that's being a servant right and laying yourself down for the benefit of your children amen and myself and wendy we'd always said there's nothing we wouldn't do for the benefit of our kids we'll do whatever it takes in a financial sense and i know we're in different positions financially but whatever we do in a financial sense or in a time sense to invest spiritually into our kids is what we've always said that we would do. And Elise is now on Forge and having a great time on that. I got speaking to her through that and Jack's... Jack's Jack? <laughs> no, no he's, he's amazing. He's at Portsmouth, uh, Family Church Portsmouth this morning. Because um, he went to a party. So there we go, that's where he is, if you're, in case you're wondering. Anyway, so it's about vesting into your kids. That's what essentially parenting, parenting is. So I just encourage you in that. And if you, if you need help with parenting, then as a church, we'd love to help you with that. Because we all come from different, different backgrounds, and you know, I don't know how you were parented yourself. And so often people can carry baggage. You know, I, I meet people and, and deal with people pastorally, and some people, they, they carry stuff. For, it's just amazing, really. They carry stuff for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. They're still carrying stuff from stuff that happened when they were 10, 11, 12, 13, and they could be in their 70s and 80s. It's amazing how much stuff can affect us as, affect us as kids, and then we can carry that into our own parenting. So I just want to really encourage you in that. If there's stuff you struggle with, please come and talk to us. And as a church, we'd love to help you. And we do, we've done parenting, online parenting courses and other stuff, and we'll be doing them again, I'm sure. So we want to help you in that. But ultimately, being a great parent is laying down your life for your kids. Amen. Praise God. So, servanthood in parenting. Servanthood in marriage. My wife's not here, I can say anything. That's <laughs> recorded. And you'll tell her anyway, whether it's recorded or not. I know lots lots of us, maybe not everyone, but lots of us are married. So this is important stuff to talk about. So just like parenting, as Christian, as Christian parents, is about investing in your kids, especially investing spiritually in your kids, living for the benefit of your kids, servanthood in marriage. And I think marriage, I think marriage is a lot more simple than people actually make it. In the sense of, essentially, marriage is just living for the benefit of your spouse. That's it. If you want to get it, want it summed up, parenting is, is living for the benefit of your kids, and, and, and marriage is living for the benefit of your spouse. Now, obviously, that has to work. Both people need to be doing that. Otherwise, it's going to be a very one-sided and not an entirely healthy marriage, or not everything the marriage could be, put it that way. So it needs both people doing that. I totally agree with that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, Ian wants something. Yes. <laughs> but that, that's the reality of marriage right it's living for the benefit of your spouse and putting their needs above your own and that's a, a kind of my my simple summation of what marriage is and how it should work you know people talk about marriage being 50 50 and i know what they i know what they mean by that but i don't think that's right i believe marriage is 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 100 and both people totally fully invest in their spouse now, sometimes in marriage, I'm sure you've, just, you've discovered this, 
that you will, in marriage you'll have to do some things you don't necessarily want, really want to do. Yeah. Anyone discovered that? Yeah. Ian loves hoovering. You love hoovering, don't you? Wash, washing feet. But it will involve ironing. Yeah, it might involve doing some things that you don't want to do, right? But the, what I've learned over the years, <laughs> over the years, the hard way sometimes, is the best thing to do is to do it for the benefit of your spouse. Amen? Because that, that will bless them. You know, everyone, has different, everyone has different love languages. If you're married, you've never read the Love Languages book, I'd really encourage you to read it. Because it explains, it explains that there's five different areas of love languages and the way that people, to, people um, feel loved and understand, understand love. So, yeah, so I'd really, really encourage you to read that. If you've never read that, it's about spending, physical, you know, spending quality time together, words of affirmation. Um, um, acts of service, and there's, there's, there's two others as well, which I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, but, it, but it's well worth reading. You know, for, for my wife, I'll say that because she's not here, acts of service is by far her biggest love language. Now, I can't get my head around this because I can't equate love and hoovering. I can't equate that. I genuinely can't. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm dead serious. But I can't equate you know, love and washing up. I can't say the two things have got any connection whatsoever. Yeah. Giving her time back. Absolutely. But I, but I totally get that she highly values them, massively values them, and to her it's an expression of my love. And if, if I'm not doing those things, or, or look, I just don't care, then she's like, well, why aren't you doing, doing these things that are important to me? You know what I mean? And that, fair enough, right? Does that make sense? So if you've never read the Love Languages book, it's a Christian book, I'd really encourage you to, to read it. And it actually helps in all areas of relationships with parenting and children as well, but particularly, um, particularly in a marriage relationship. So, so in marriage, servanthood is living for the benefit of your spouse, laying your life down. There's a, there's a particular calling on, on men as well in this, as it's recorded in Ephesians 6, that is, is men, there's actually a higher demand put on men, and it's as husbands, to lay down your life, just as Jesus laid down his life for the church, is, is the way the Apostle Paul described it. So there goes a challenge for us blokes. Okay. Servanthood in church, as marriage, parenting, we looked at servanthood in church. Now, as a, as a church, we, we, we love to serve. We have a culture of serving and, you know, getting involved in teams and, and different things, that, ways you can get involved. And I know you're all super servants in so many different ways. But let's just continue to grow in that. And, and I encourage you, if you're not in a team of, of any description, to, to get involved in a team. Because one, you'll really enjoy it. We don't just want to, like, work you to the bone. That's not our heart's desire at all. There are things that need doing, yes, but we don't want to work you to the bone or use and abuse people but we do want people to get, get involved and it's a great way of just of that, that culture being expressed of, of belonging as you said of belonging and, and of servanthood because it's a family church value that, that we serve and we serve others we serve for the benefit of others if you want to be on hosting or get involved in kids church or ignition or um, you know the hospitality with the teas and coffees and, and loads of other stuff that you can get involved in and I really encourage you to encourage you to do that come and speak to myself or Wendy you can go on the app or you can sign up for a team that way yeah, but get involved, amen. It's a great way of blessing, uh, of blessing others, amen. Again, we're living for the benefit of others. You're living for the benefit of the other congregation members and for those who've come to church for the very first time, amen. So let's always have a culture of that, amen. Now, just off the back of that, I just want to say a bit about servant, servant leadership. You know, sometimes people get very kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe have wrong perceptions of how church leadership works, I don't know. And maybe sometimes church leadership doesn't always work as it should. But what I would say, this is very much family church's view, and we believe it's, it's, it's biblical because it's what Jesus demonstrated, is that, is that leaders, church leaders, should be the biggest servants. That's totally my view. 
as, as a pastor, and I hope you don't need to answer this, but I hope that is what comes across. Well, I'm sure it does. For the church leaders to be the biggest servants, we're, 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 servant, we're servant leaders. You know, we'll be the last ones to leave on a Sunday, and myself and Wendy almost always, <laughs> along with others. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be the biggest servants, and we've, we've chosen and we have a calling on us to lay down our lives for the benefit of others. And that's what, we, that's what we desire to do. So, that's our, so don't ever have a perception, and I'm not saying you do, but don't ever have a perception that church leaders are just kind of like up in their ivory towers, just ordering people around. Because I, I, all I can tell you is the reality is totally different. <laughs> you, know, you wouldn't believe the hours that myself and Wendy do sometimes. Some, I've been out uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday evening, all this week, doing church stuff, all different guises, uh, church stuff this week. You know, that could be quite common, usually three or four evenings a week doing church stuff, you know, but you're laying down your life for the benefit of others. And that's okay. I'm not saying that so you go, oh, I feel sorry for you. I don't want people to feel sorry for myself and Wendy at all. I just want you to understand the reality of how it works. Okay? So absolutely, church leaders should be, should be the biggest servants. I totally, totally agree with that. No one's in ivory towers. No one's ordering anybody around. It just doesn't, doesn't work like that. We understand the calling that we have, and that's all about laying down our lives for the benefit of others. Amen. Okay, let's move on. So we, we talked earlier about it's about serving others and the purpose of God in our generation. So I just want to move on to the, the, the parable of the talents, um, about serving the cause of God. Let's be people that make sure that we are serving the cause of God, that we, we live for a cause, that, that God has a purpose for our life and a plan for our lives, that we're, we're serving that plan that God has for us. Amen. In the parable of the talents, Jesus says this, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 23. And Jesus tells one of his amazing stories, as he often did. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to their ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went and once put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and his master's money. So Jesus continues with the story. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And it goes on to talk about the one who just buried the one talent he'd been given. Or the one, or the one bag of gold, as it's described here, and kind of buried it. Anyway, it talks about that, but... The bit, the bit I really want to focus on here is about that the God's given us all giftings and abilities. And so what are we doing with them? Are we using them to serve the purposes of God? Because it talks here, and we, we often talk about this when, often at funerals, at a Christian funeral, we say, you know, that God's going to be welcoming into his presence, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Absolutely right. And that's what this context that comes from this, from this story. It's talking about what people, what people have done with what God had given them. And the guy had five bags of gold. He gained five more by putting it to work. And again, he had two, gained two more by putting it to work. And, and the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, so what does God expect of you as a believer? Now, God expects you, and I don't think it's unfair for God to put expectations on us. 
you know, sometimes, sometimes hearing some branches of, of Christianity that God has no expectations of us, well, I don't think that's right. Now, are we, do we gain anything through our works? Absolutely not. It's, grace is completely a free gift. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10, make that totally clear. We're not trying to earn anything. But James also says that faith of that works is dead because, because at, 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 as an outworking of our faith, there will be works, right, for God's purposes. We're, and we're created by, Ephesians 2, verse 10, we're created by God and created for God for his purposes. Amen? But it's a completely free gift. So we're not trying to earn anything from God here, but absolutely, does God have expectations on us? I would say absolutely yes. He does. Sorry if that's a shock <laughs> to anyone this morning. But God does expect us to do stuff for him. And he's not unreasonable in doing that. He paid a massive price so that we could have a relationship with him and so that we could live out his purposes for our lives. Amen? So God expects us, he expects you to be a good and faithful servant. Right? God expects me, God expects you to be a good and faithful servant. All those things that God's blessed you with and the gifts he's given you to, to, to bless others and to live for his purposes, to serve the purposes of God in our generation. Amen? So I'm just going to kind of just, just quickly as time's going, but just break down kind of those four parts of that, 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 that statement that Jesus makes, well done, good and faithful servant. So what is God expecting of you? So number one, God's expecting you to do something. Right? God is expecting you to do something. He has an expectation that it, uh, Christianity will outwork in your life. That we're not just kind of just you know, sit on our backsides, wait for heaven or the second coming, whichever comes first, to say, you know, God, I'm sat here, I'm saved, this is, this is awesome, brilliant. You know, and all those things are actually true, of course, but that we did something for God. God did not pay a massive price for sending his son, you know, so we just kind of be lazy and, and sit around. He did it, did it for a purpose, amen? So firstly, God expects of us that we do something, amen? That we are intentional about the way we live our lives, that we serve the purposes of God in our generation, and we start with, by making that decision. So firstly, God expects that we do something. Secondly, God expects that we are a servant. Remember, we're breaking down good and faithful servant. God expects you to be a servant. He's not unreasonable to expect that. He, gave, he was the perfect example, as we, we looked at earlier, the way he laid himself down. He made himself nothing. This is why nothing was beneath him, because he made himself nothing. There's nothing that he wouldn't do. Amen? Because he valued others above himself. So God expects you to do something. To be intentional, God expects you to be a servant, to serve his purposes, to serve his cause, to serve others, to, to serve your spouse, to, to serve your kids, uh, to, to serve in church. Amen? And we're also, also serving the community is also another big one, but we've been a whole week on being we are community. Probably ask you to say some stuff, Stacey, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, we'll do a whole week on we are community-minded, okay? So I've forgotten about the community. That's a whole kind of section in itself. But serving our community and our locality is obviously a huge topic in itself okay so god expects that we do something god expects us to be a servant in every area of our lives thirdly god expects you to be a good servant not just to be a servant to be a good servant amen to be to be good in that when people can recognize that actually that they're, they're giving their all into that not we don't do things whole half-heartedly we don't just give it about 20 percent effort we don't just kind of you know just turn up when we like and think oh, oh that'll do we don't have a that'll do attitude towards stuff no, no, we're going to do things, do things well when we serve, whether it's with our kids, in our church, or in our marriage, with our community, that we serve with all that we have. Amen? Because that's what Jesus did. How can we argue with that? That's what Jesus did. Right? So God expects you to do something. He expects you to be a servant. He expects you to be a good servant. And he expects you to be a faithful servant. Amen? Amen? Be a faithful servant. You don't just give up at the first sign of trouble. 
You don't give up after a few years. You don't give up because circumstances have just got, got tricky or, or, or you're tired. God expects you just to be, be a faithful servant. Amen. And again, Jesus was the perfect example of that. He certainly absolutely did do something. Man, he gave his entire life. He absolutely was a servant in every aspect of his life. He absolutely was a good servant and he was totally faithful. And totally faithful to the, to the cause that God had given him to keep his eyes focused on, you know, what, what God's plan was for him to die on a cross and to be risen from the dead. Amen? So I just kind of just wanted to end with that. But well done, good and faithful servant. God wants you to do something. Be intentional about that. If you've not ever done any kind of serving in any kind of capacity, or maybe not as you should, be intentional. Don't, no one's judging anyone this morning, but let's just do something about it. Right? Let's be intentional about being a servant. Let's be intentional about being a good servant and about being a faithful servant. But we, just, we just keep on going. You know, there is so much power in, just in, in faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are and were the ultimate servant. We're giving your very life as a ransom for many. You made yourself nothing. Lord, you were obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what, a, what an amazing what example we have. What a wonderful savior you are and what an amazing example we have of what it means to be a servant. And I pray, Lord, that in every area of our lives, Lord, that we will serve others. Lord, we have that same, we will be people of the same spirit. Lord God, whatever the world does, and, it's, and, and the world's obsession with, with just looking after themselves, Lord, that we'll be different. Lord, we'll be, a, be a people of a different spirit, of a different character. Lord, for those of us who are married, Lord, that we will, Lord, we will serve our spouses. Lord, I pray for every marriage here. Lord, you'll protect it. You'll look after it. Lord, it will be healthy. Lord God, it will be all that you desire it to be. Lord God, and help us to be the best spouses that we can possibly be. To lay down our life for the benefit of the other person. We pray for those that, who are in marriages where the, the, the spouse is not yet saved. Lord God, we just pray, Lord, that you just do a miracle in those situations. Lord, and bring salva- household salvation in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, Lord, for those of us who are parents, Lord, you help us, Lord, to, to serve our kids, however old our children are. Lord, to lay down our lives for their benefit, Lord, to invest in them in every way, to spend time with them, Lord God, to invest in them spiritually. Lord, we pray for every family, Lord, that you would protect it, Lord God. Lord, for every child, Lord, that they will grow up in the ways of you, you'll protect them, Lord, from all the kind of the world throws at them. Lord, again, we pray, Lord, for household salvation for those children maybe that did know you or have gone away from God. Lord God, that you would just, you just, Lord, bring the return of the prodigals in Jesus' name. Lord, like the prodigal son, Lord, that we'll see, Lord, that... Lord, that like the prodigal son was, it was just eating pig food that, and, and it came to their senses. Because like, why am I doing this when I could be in my father's house? And I pray, Lord, for those who've gone away from you, they have that same realization, Lord, of where they're at spiritually. Not that anybody's judging them and you're not, you're not even judging them, Lord. You're just, Lord, wanting to bring them back with open arms. But I pray they realize the situation they're in, they're, they're eating pig food, they're not eating the best, they could be in the family of God. And I pray they'll have a revelation of that, Lord God. And just bring them back to you. Lord, I pray we'll all be a church, Lord, just full of super servants. Lord, we'll all get involved. Lord, God, I thank you for so many people involved in so many different ways. I pray, Lord, all of us, that we will serve with all of our ability, Lord, because we know, Lord, we're not serving, Lord, that we're not serving the church leaders or pastors, Lord, we're serving you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that reality, Lord Jesus. 
Lord, I pray you'll help us to serve our community as we talk about that in future weeks, but help us to people who, who Lord, have such a heart and compassion for the lost, Lord, and are here to serve our community, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, and when we get to, get to heaven on that, on that glorious day, Lord, we want you to say, Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray that be a reality of every single one of us. We'll be, we'll be servants, we'll be intentional, we'll do something, we'll be servants, we'll be good and we'll be faithful. Help us to do that to the best of our ability, Lord. Those, those giftings you've, you've given us as you talked about in that story, Lord. We want to be fruitful for you, Lord Jesus. We want to produce what you want us to produce. Doing us what you need to do. us, Lord, if there's, if there's pride and ego in our lives, I pray you'll deal with it. Deal whatever you need to do, Lord, to make us super servants. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just do that for your glory. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray a second prayer this morning. I'm just going to give anyone an opportunity who doesn't yet know God. And you, the good news is you can invite God into your life today. You can know what it is to be a Christian today. And we've talked a lot about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, that he came as a servant, although he was God, God himself. He, he came as a super servant to, to die on a cross. And he wasn't, he wasn't martyred. That was all part of God's, God's plan. He wasn't martyred or murdered. It was part of God's plan for him to do that. And, and that was for all the kind of like the punishment for sin and sin can be a scary word but sin just means what we have, ever we've done wrong and if we're honest with themselves none of us have lived perfect lives so that's what I was talking about with sin things that we've, we've done that, that create a barrier between us and God and Jesus died on the cross to, to deal with that once for all to take that punishment upon himself so that you could be free so that you could be holy so that you could be righteous so you could have a relationship with, with, with God he paid a massive price he gave his life for your life. That's how much he values you and how much he loves you. So you can know what it is this morning to be, to be a Christian. I just encourage you just to pray this prayer. I'll pray this prayer with me this morning. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for being an amazing servant, for coming to earth to die for me, for my benefit, because you love me. I recognize what you did for me. I ask you to wash me clean and to make me new. I invite you into my life. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And whilst everyone's eyes are closed, if you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before and you've, you've prayed that and you've meant it with all of your heart this morning, I promise you God has come into your life. But what I'd like you to do is just pop your hand up and say, yeah, I prayed that prayer this morning because we'd love just to chat with you and pray with you afterwards so anyone this morning don't miss your opportunity thank you god thank you god you're so good thank you lord lord use us for your purposes use us for your glory now may we be servant-hearted in all that we do in the mighty name of jesus amen amen